May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let's have a seat. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. It's a familiar statement. It's so familiar that it's even become an idiom, an expression. We might say she's a real salt of the earth type when we want to describe someone who is genuine and reliable and trustworthy and without pretense. And those are really good qualities, and it is great to have a term, an expression that captures them. But the danger of a term becoming so familiar is that we can lose sight of its original meaning. You might even say that we can lose its saltiness. So what does Jesus mean when he says, you are the salt of the earth? Well, we need to know some things about salt. Specifically, about salt in Jesus' day. Now, for us, salt is really common. We can go to Giant or Wegmans and pick up a carton of it for 99 cents. We can sprinkle it on our eggs, on our vegetables, our french fries. A lot of us have too much salt in our diet, and our blood pressure proves it. But in Jesus' day, it was different. Salt was precious. They didn't have our modern mining techniques that let us get salt from the earth so readily and so cheaply. In Jesus' day, they got salt by evaporating it from seawater or by finding deposits of the mineral in the earth. So it wasn't easy to come by. But it was important. Because salt wasn't just used for making food taste good, it was also used as a preservative. In the days before refrigeration, salt was the primary way to preserve food, meat and fish and vegetables. In fact, salt was so important in Jesus' day that the Roman soldiers were given a certain amount of pay just so they could buy salt. And that's where our word, our word salary comes from. But as important and as necessary as salt was and still is, its usefulness doesn't really lie in the salt itself. It lies in what the salt does for other things. So we don't sit down, I hope, and eat a spoonful of salt. We use that salt to make other food taste better. And in fact, any chef will tell you that when food is properly salted, it doesn't taste salty, it just tastes more like itself. Salt brings out the flavors that are already there. So what qualities of salt might Jesus have had in mind when he said that his followers were the salt of the earth? He might have meant that salt was precious, that it could only be discovered or harvested and not manufactured, and that when it was used properly, it preserved and drew out the best in what it was applied to. And if you think about the people to whom Jesus was talking, it's actually kind of surprising that he would describe them in this way. 
Our reading this morning comes from what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to big crowds of people. And the people who came out in big crowds to see Jesus were not, for the most part, the people who the world at large, at large considered precious and valuable. They were the sick, the hungry, the outcasts. According to the blessings that Jesus proclaimed right before this part of his sermon, they were poor in spirit, they were mournful, they were meek and merciful, they were reviled and persecuted and slandered. And those are the people whom Jesus called the salt of the earth. The description was probably as shocking to them as it is commonplace to us now. But Jesus' words of honor came with a warning, too. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, he says. Now, for us, salt losing its saltiness isn't really a problem because of the way our salt is produced. But in Jesus' day, that was a very real thing that could happen because their salt also contained other minerals And by processes of chemistry that I don't understand, the sodium chloride could evaporate from their salt compound. And what you were left with looked like salt, but didn't taste like anything. It was useless. And so Jesus' words are words of great honor, and they are also a warning against complacency. You are incredibly valuable, he tells his hearers. You are precious, but your value has purpose. So don't be complacent. Don't just sit there. Pursue your purpose. Do what you were made to do. Now, there are lots of different kinds of salt that you can find. I counted up in my kitchen right now. I have at least four. I have iodized salt, I have kosher salt, I have sea salt, I even have pink Himalayan salt. (laughs) And they are all salty, it's true. But they do have slightly different tastes and I use them for different things. And I think that's important for us to remember as we think about ourselves as the salt of the earth. So as Christians, we are all called to be disciples of Jesus We are all called to love God with everything we've got and to love our neighbors as ourselves. You could say that that is our sort of universal baseline saltiness. But we each have unique gifts and qualities. We've had different life experiences. And God has a unique call for each one of us, a particular way that he wants us to live out our love for him and for our neighbors. And you could say that those differences, that uniqueness, that is like the different varieties of salt that there are in the world. And what's true for us as individuals is true for us as congregations, too. So all churches are called to worship God, to preach the word and celebrate the sacraments, and to function in the world as the body of Christ That's the universal saltiness of the church. But each individual congregation 
is called to a particular way of being and doing church. And that varies based on culture and context and on the mission that God has given to a congregation. So each church is like its own unique variety of salt. And so it strikes me that this passage, which was chosen for us by the lectionary, is actually a pretty apt passage for us to read on this day of our annual meeting. Because our annual meeting is not just a technicality that our bylaws require us to have. It is not just a necessary bit of business. Our annual meeting is a chance to look back and to celebrate what God has done in and through our church in the last year. And it's a chance to look ahead and to see what we believe God is calling us to in the year before us. It's a chance for us to remind ourselves of who we are and what God has called us to as a congregation, our mission, our purpose. It's a chance for us to remember how God has specifically called St. Michael's to be the salt of the earth. And it's a chance for us to renew our commitment to our saltiness. And so... If we think of our church of St. Michael's as the salt of the earth, I want, you, I want you to hear that we are precious to God. We are valuable. Now, it's true that as a church, we are small. We're a little bit gray. We don't have lots of fancy programs and events and things that a lot of other churches have. But remember who Jesus was talking to when he called them the salt of the earth. They weren't the people that the world would look at and call successful or valuable or precious. But to Jesus, they were. And to Jesus, we are. St. Michael's is the salt of the earth. We are a precious people in God's sight. And as the salt of the earth... We have a purpose. We have a way that God has called us to season the world around us. If you were here two years ago, you will remember, I hope, that the vestry went through a process of discerning the mission and the vision of St. Michael's. I thought I might give you a pop quiz to see who could remember them, but instead I'll be nice and I'll just remind you that our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And our vision is to create Christ-centered environments that encourage and equip people to pursue intimacy with God, that embrace people in our warm and loving Anglican church family, and that support people in building God's kingdom. That mission and that vision capture the kind of salt that God has called us to be. That is the purpose that he has given us as a particular congregation. So we pursue the universal saltiness that all churches share of worship and word and sacrament and service. But this mission and vision describe the particular way we do it. It's our flavor of church. 
So what will happen as we live out this purpose? As we continue to be the salt of the earth in the way that God has called us to? Well, what happens when you salt food? It tastes more like itself. Its flavors become amplified. And so when we live as the salt of the earth, what happens is that people come to know God and to know him as he truly is. They come to know God more fully as righteous and just and loving and merciful and gracious. When we are the salt of the earth, God will taste more God-like to people who meet him. And in that process, they will become more of themselves, of the people who God made them to be. As we come to know God for who God is, then we can drop all of the pretending and the hiding and the coping that are at the heart of our sin. And so when we introduce people to God, when we are the salt that he has called us to be, then people will become free. And they will be free by God's grace to become all that God made them to be. Friends, we are the salt of the earth. We are precious and we have a purpose. So let's not lose our saltiness. Amen. Amen.